The life that we have been given as a Christian is not an ordinary life. As a Christian, you are not an ordinary person. Let us start off our discussion today going to the book of John, chapter number 16. I'll be reading verse 33. This is Jesus talking to the disciples, and he said, These things I have spoken unto you that in me, ye might have peace. In the word, ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the word. Now, of course, if, on your own time, you could go through the whole chapter reading or listening to what Jesus was talking to his disciples about. But I'm going to take off from this verse 33, where Jesus said, to, said unto them, these things I have spoken unto you, that, ye, that in me ye might have peace. In the word ye shall have tribulation. Now, I want you to, run the, to, to take a closer look at what Jesus said. He said, in the word ye shall have tribulation. He didn't say in the word, you may have tribulation. He said, you shall. This is definite. So you live in a word that you cannot hide away from the troubles. You cannot hide away from, from, from the plagues. There are definitely going to be plagues in the world. About same time last year, the world has just managed to drag itself by the help of the prayers of Christians around the world, dragged themselves out of Corona lockdown. And for a while, it looks like, hey, we are out of this. It looks like things are going to be completely normal again. But here we are again, around the world, there are places, especially in Sydney, there are places where lockdowns are trying to force themselves up again. Now, there is no hiding away from scriptures. Jesus said, in the word, ye shall have tribulation. On Sunday, we were describing a situation where there is a lockdown in a city and people could not go out. What would you think of a person who does not only have the troubles of the lockdown of the city, he has troubles inside his home. He has troubles in his heart. He has issues he cannot handle. Going out would have been a respite for him or for her, but now he could not even go out. He's locked in, making situations worse for him. Listen, my brothers and my sisters, it doesn't even matter if there is no lockdown. Jesus says, in the word, ye shall have tribulation. There is no way out of it in life. The word will only give you troubles. He says, in the word, ye shall have tribulation. Let's take it again from the beginning. It says, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. So what Jesus speaks to us, he speaks to us for our peace. Those things are spoken unto us that we might have peace. He speaks to us so that we can have peace. 
the words, Jesus says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. In other words, they are not ordinary. The words that I speak unto you, they are not ordinary. They are spirit. They, they, they convey something supernatural. When these words come to you, they will produce something in you. They will produce life in you. He said they are spirit and they are life. What word was using their life is Zoe, which means the words that Jesus speak unto you, they carry the God kind of life. That was why Jesus said at the grave of Lazarus, he said the time is coming when the dead shall hear my voice, they will hear the words that I speak. Even though they be dead, they will come back to life. And anyone that be alive and hears my word, because of the Zoe it carries, it imparts everlasting life into him. The words that I speak unto you, they are not ordinary. These things I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the word ye shall have tribulation. Colon. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the word. There is so much I could tell you from this very verse of scripture. I'm going to go on and we'll see how much the time will permit us to take. I want you to understand one basic point about this statement Jesus was making. He made them to understand that there is no peace elsewhere. He says in the world there is tribulation. In the world you have troubles. He said, but in me, these words that I've spoken unto you, I speak them unto you that ye might have peace. This is where peace really is. Last Sunday, uh, just this Sunday, we heard in, uh, on Sunday that Jesus says, talking about peace. He says, my peace I give unto you, not as the word gives, give I unto you. The, the, the peace the word promise. It's not the same kind of peace Jesus gives. I, I made an illustration. The, the premier says, put on face mask, uh, mask. Stay indoors, put on mask. But it's been no, even the mask producers, those who produce the masks, they will put there, this mask does not protect against Corona viruses. So there is no security anywhere in the world. He says, in the world you shall have tribulation. There will be troubles in the world. But the words that I speak unto you, I speak them unto you that you might have peace. He says, that not the kind of peace the world gives. He said, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I to you. In Jesus, you have safety, you have security, you have health that cannot be contaminated. Now I'm going to go on to show you a few more things. But before I go on, let me show you the second part of this verse 13, after the colon. Now I've explained before that when you read after colon, what you're going to read is an interpretation of what is meant in the part before the colon. What did he say after the colon? He said, but be, but be of good cheer, I have overcome 
the world. Economy is crashing down. There is no, there is, nobody is sure of what is going to happen. He said, don't worry about that. I have taken care of it already for you. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Let's see what Jesus said in John chapter 15, the chapter before the one we just read from, verse 5. Jesus was describing the relationship between you and him, the relationship between a Christian and him, Jesus Christ. He was describing that relationship. Jesus said in verse 5, John chapter 15, verse 5, he says, I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth much, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Now, the part I want to focus on is the part before the first colon. Everything else that is said after that colon is an interpretation of what is said before the colon. So I want to focus on that, and I will use that to explain further, and I will go to somewhere else. Jesus is saying, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. What is a vine? A plant. He says, I am the vine. I am the stem and ye are the branches. So if we are the branches of the same plant where Jesus is the stem, then we are the same plant with Jesus. We are the same. We are not different. We are the same. That's why I said on Sunday that if you are a Christian, you are not an ordinary being. You are a special being. There is something about you that is beyond the ordinary. You may not have discovered it. You may not have known it yet, but it is the reality of, is the reality of who you are. It, there is something about you that is beyond the ordinary. When Jesus spoke about himself, because Jesus knew who he, who he is, he knew himself very well. When he spoke about himself on the streets of Jerusalem, around about the cities of, 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 of Judah, of, of Israel, when he was speaking about himself, the people could not understand him. They couldn't contain it. A lot of times they said to him, you blaspheme. How could you, being a man, make it yourself equal with God? Jesus said to them at a the point, he said, did you not read in the scriptures where he says, ye are gods? Quoting Psalms, he says, if he calleth them gods unto whom the word of God came, he said, how could you say he blasphemes ye, the one who came from the very bosom of the father? And I've explained that when Jesus said he came from the bosom of the father, what he actually was saying is that he came from inside of the father. And I've explained how this happened in one of our uh, uh, Sunday services. Jesus came out from the inside of the Father. This was also described in Colossians chapter 1, from verse 14 to 16. He was described as the firstborn of all creation. How did this happen? When God spoke himself out of himself, the word came out. Now, this we saw described in John chapter 1, from verse 1 to 3. I want to show you something there. John chapter 1, 
from verse 1. He says, in the beginning was the word. And I've explained when it says the word here, W-O-R-O-D, is talking about a spirit being. Of course, if you read further up to verse 14, you are going to see it's not talking about ordinary words spoken. It's talking about a spirit being. He says, in the beginning was the word. Now, the word was translated word, W-O-R-O-D here, is originally in Greek, which is logos. Now, we said in the beginning was logos, and we have explained that this logos is a spirit being. It's not an ordinary thing. It's a spirit being. In the beginning was the word, logos, and logos was with God, and logos was God. Logos was with God, and Logos was God. Now, if you've been in some of our previous, of our earlier series, this won't be confusing to you because you will understand already that when we say God, it's a word that was translated from the Greek word Theos. In Hebrew, it's, Rem, it's, it's Elohim. Now, each of these three words, whether in English, or in Greek, or in Hebrew, they all mean the same thing. What do they mean? They don't mean the name. They are not the name of a particular individual. It's just the name of a realm. Just like you have the realm of man, the realm of plants, the realm of animals, the realm of man, the realm, you also have the realm of God. So in that realm, now you, if, if you're hearing this the first time, check what the scripture says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, and God said, let us make man in our image. And in, you see, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So it was not one person that was there. It was talking about the realm. And the word that was translated there, God, let us. And God said, God, what was translated there, God, is Elohim, the Hebrew word for that realm. So here, let's come back again to John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning was Logos, and Logos was with God, and Logos was God. In other words, Logos was a spirit that was there in the beginning, and Logos was with the, with, in that realm of God, and he himself belonged in that realm as God. So this Logos is a spirit being. In verse 2, it says, the same was in the beginning with God. In verse 3, it says, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So the story that we read about in Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, was actually Logos that was making those things happen. Now, I have explained that that spirit, Logos, was the spirit that indwelt Jesus, the son of Mary that was born in Jerusalem, or in Bethlehem, if you might say. When that baby was born, he was born naturally, or born a human being, so to say, although not by the agency of a man, but he was 100% human, a fertilized egg that turned into a fetus and was born as a baby, grew up as a child, and then became matured. 
but you had a spirit that indwelt him. And that spirit is Logos, the spirit which is the word of God. Now, you will see what the scripture says in verse 14. It says, this same spirit called the word, the word, W-O-R-O-D. In verse 14, it says, and the word, let me put logos there so that you understand what I'm talking about. And logos was made flesh, put differently. And logos became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of, as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Still talking about Jesus, the same, the same person, the same spirit. Now, I've explained before in, in different other meetings how these kind of things happen. When God is sending a spirit into the world, this spirit puts on flesh in the mother's womb and entered into the world. I'll give you another example that will help you to understand this. When John the Baptist was carrying out his ministry, the Jews went to him. They could, say, they could tell that this guy is not ordinary. So they were asking him, who are you? Are you the Messiah that you come? He said, I am not. Then they asked him, are you Elijah that you come? Because they saw in the scriptures that Elias, Elijah that lived here before prophet Elijah that was carried into heaven by the agency of fire. He, he didn't die. He was carried up into heaven by God. They saw in the scriptures that that Elijah will come back again. So they were now asking him, are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. But they knew John the Baptist was born by Zechariah. They saw all those things happen. They went to his naming ceremony. They saw how John, uh, Zechariah from being dumb, opened his mouth at his naming ceremony and spoke, his name is John. They saw all that. So they knew this boy when he grew up. And now he's preaching everywhere, baptizing. And the way he was carrying out his ministry suggested to them that this guy is somebody unique. There's something about him that is beyond the ordinary. And they went to him. They were baptized. And then they said, wait a sec, who are you? Are you the Messiah that should come? He said, I am not. Okay. Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. But we saw later on that Jesus told his disciples that John the Baptist was actually Elijah. John didn't know that he was Elijah. Jesus confirmed that the spirit that was in there in John the Baptist was not actually an ordinary spirit. It was the spirit of Elijah that was carried into heaven that came out again and was born as John. So these things happened. And that was what exactly also happened in Jesus. Jesus, the son of Mary, was walking the streets of Jerusalem. They knew him as carpenter in John, in, in, in Mark uh, chapter 6, verse 3. They said, ah, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? We know his brothers, Simon, Jonah, Judas. We know them and his sisters. They, we know them. They are with us. We married them. My Lord, this. Ah, and now what does he say he is? So they knew him, Jesus as the carpenter, but they didn't know that there was a spirit that was inside him. And that spirit was the spirit of the word of God, Logos. But Jesus knew who he is and he spoke as such. He was confident about himself. He never denied who he is. They set him before Pilate. Pilate said, are you a king? He said, 
my kingdom is not of this world. Which means he actually had a kingdom. But what he was telling them is, I'm not denying that I have a kingdom. I could be, I may have been accused wrongly, but I am not denying that I have a kingdom. I have a kingdom. My kingdom is even beyond the ordinary. It's a supernatural kingdom. Wow. Jesus knew who he, who he is. And as a matter of fact, like I said before, these things that John wrote down here were likely revealed to him by Jesus. Let me go again to the beginning of this chapter, chapter one. I want to look at it this time from verse three. He said, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Talking about Jesus. Or put differently, the spirit that was inside him, which is the word of God, the spirit that is the word of God. Now, it will help you to understand this this way, because as I go on teaching, maybe in this series and in subsequent ones, there is something that you need to have in your mind that will help you to understand. Whenever I call the word of God and I said it's logos, it's a spirit, let me give you this picture to keep in your mind. When God spoke, it's similar to when, now, now Jesus said, these words that I speak unto you, they are spirits. They are not just words. They are not just sound. They are spirits. He didn't say they are spirits. Like everything I said, this one is one spirit, this one is another spirit. No, it's a singular word. He said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Another day, I will have time to dwell on this, but I will just give you a picture now. Now, he said that because it's also true of the father. When the father spoke, what came out of his mouth was not just sound. What came out of his mouth was a spirit being that went into action to bring to pass what the father said. Let there be light. The spirit being went out and brought light into existence. The Bible shows to us in Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 that it was by him that all things were created, both things that are in heaven and things that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities and powers, all things were created by him, the word of God, and without him was not anything made that was made. They were all created for him, by him, and for him. So when God spoke, it was not just an ordinary sound that was coming out. It was a spirit being called Logos that was coming out. That's what you need to understand. Now, it was that same spirit that indwelt Jesus it filled the inside of Jesus. And so that spirit, like we saw in John chapter 1, verse 1, is not just an ordinary spirit. It's God himself. So that's why Jesus could declare and say to the Jews, I am God. I and my father are one. 
I look forward to a day I really will be able to explain the details of this. Everything that Jesus said, I'll take it back to the beginning of creation when things started to be created from the very origin, not even in the making of things in this world, in the very origin. Everything Jesus said could be traced to the very beginning. So the words that Jesus spoke, he said they are spirit and they are life. It was also a mirror of God himself. When God spoke, it was not sounds that was coming out. It was a spirit being that was coming out. It was a spirit being. That spirit being in Greek is called logos, word. Now, that spirit being was what indwelt Jesus. The same way the spirit of Elijah indwelt John the Baptist. The spirit being logos indwelt Jesus. And Jesus knew the spirit that was in him. This was not ordinary. This is God in here. Now, I want you to understand that this Jesus is not an ordinary being. And there is a very strong link between you and him. Let me show you a scripture. Galatians 3, 16. Now to Abraham, Apostle Paul was writing this letter to the Galatians. He says, now to Abraham and his seed, where the promise is made, he saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, unto thy seed, which is Christ. Now follow me very closely. If you had your Bible, it would be good if you are also reading along with me, but if you don't, it's all right. Just listen and I'm going to explain. Now, Apostle Paul was saying clearly here, he said, when the promises were made to Abraham, that promise didn't say to you, Abraham, and to your seeds as of many. He was not talking to many children of Abraham. No. What he said was seed, singular seed, not plural. So Apostle Paul was showing to the Christians that when he said to the seeds, to the seed, singular, he was not talking about the biological children of Abraham. He was talking to a particular seed, one person, a particular seed. He said that seed is Christ. That seed is Christ. Now, look at what he said. He didn't say that seed is Jesus Christ. He said that seed is Christ. Let's go to verse 29 of the same chapter. Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. Look at what he says. He says, and if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. 
What was Apostle Paul telling these Christians? He said, listen, when God was promising Abraham that I'm going to bless you and through you and your seed, I will bless all the nations of the world. I will bless every single human being in the world. I will bless all of my creation, both in heaven and on earth. What was he saying to Abraham? He was not saying those things to Abraham and to his biological children, which are now the Jews in the Middle East. That's not what God meant. What God meant was there's a particular seed that would be born unto Abraham. That seed is Christ. He didn't say that seed is Jesus Christ. No, he said that seed is Christ. Now, he explains in verse 29, he says, and if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, I've explained this before to me that he didn't, now it, when he says in verse 29, if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed. It doesn't mean if you belong to Christ, that is what he suggests from the first look. But if you study further in the scriptures, that would not permit me to go into all that now. But you will discover that what he's saying is that if ye are part of Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Because that seed is Christ. If you are part of Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. If you read in Ephesians, Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesian church, chapter one, if you look at it from verse 16, 17, you are going to see the prayer that Apostle Paul prayed for the, to the, for the Christians in Ephesus. Now, when you get to verse 20, 20 downward to 23, you're going to see some amazing revelation. I'll read it quickly. Which he wrote in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above principalities and principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come. And had put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. I won't have all the time to explain this, but I will give you an insight into what he's talking about. When you read it, you will see what I'm talking about. Now, he was talking about when Christ was raised from the dead. When Christ, he said, and had put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body, which means the church is the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the church, but the church is the body of Christ. So Jesus being the head, the church being the body, the head and the body together form one person. And that person is actually called Christ. Now, if that still is not very clear to you, how all these people, the whole church, and Jesus form Christ, one person. If you study in Matthew, 
when the scriptures was telling us of the genealogy of Jesus being born. He showed to us that from Abraham to David, you can study Matthew chapter one. He showed to us that from Abraham to David, there were 14 generations. Please go and read this yourself. You will see amazing things revealed in the scriptures. He said from Abraham, look at from verse 14. He says, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Now, he has shown us three phases. 14, 14, 14. Abraham to David. From David to Babylon. From Babylon to Christ. 14, 14, 14. Go and read it. Then when you go on to count all these generations, because they are listed there. They listed them there. From Abraham to Isaac, you will see them, they are listed there. From verse number two, it says, Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob. Go and count it. When you count from Abraham to David, there are actually 14 generations. And when you move from Solomon, which is a child born after that, and you count on, so when they were moved into Babylon, you will count 14. But when you count from Babylon to when Jesus was born, you are going to count 13. How come it's 13? But the Bible said it's 14. What is wrong? Did they make a mistake? No, there was no mistake. You need to understand what is going on here. I will show you quickly. Now, when you read... Let me show you again verse 17. In verse 17, he says, this is what he says in verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David unto the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. He said unto Christ. He didn't say unto Jesus. He said unto Christ. But when Jesus, when you count the generations unto Jesus, it's 13. It stopped at 13. Look at it again in verse 17. It says, I'll read the end part of it. It says, uh, and from carrying away into Babylon unto Christ, it didn't say unto Jesus. If he said unto Jesus, it would be 13 generations. So he said unto Christ, ah, 14 generations. Mm -hmm. By Jesus is what's number 13. Jesus gave birth to the church, which is number 14. So the church is 14th generation. Jesus is 13. The church is 14. So Jesus and the church actually together formed Christ, which ends the 14th generation. 